0: This is a your farm business podcast with Mike Krause of P two P Agri.
1: Welcome, Daryl, to your farm business podcast. Daryl is a really well known economist, worked both in banking and in private sector, and has been one of our popular contributors to this podcast series. We've just challenged Daryl to have a look at the economic outlook for this coming year, given that we've experienced a lot of change in the last 12 months with the impact of your Ukraine war on us and I guess the tail end of COVID, but it's released a lot of uncertainty. So Daryl, welcome and look forward to your insights. Thanks, Michael. Where would you like to start? Interest
0: rates? Perhaps if we look at the commodity prices because that's been a major series of changes over the last 12 months as a result of what's happened with uh, the first off back in 2021 when we were starting to come out of COVID economies were starting to take off so commodity prices were starting to lift and then we had the Russian invasion of Ukraine and all the impact that's had on particularly on agricultural prices but also more broadly and we spoke a bit about the logistics impacts particularly on fertilizer in that early period because
1: we have huge Russia, and yeah. Belarus,
0: um, mm. major providers of urea and phosphate. Mm. The interesting thing is a lot of the commodity prices are now back to the levels they were prior to the invasion. Okay. So farmers so the world's be... got
1: used to the supply and demand change.
0: Yeah. Now, some of that will have been a reduction in demand because of the very high prices for a lot of those mm-hmm. fertilisers and also for energy. So there's been a reduction in demand, and we spoke a bit about that in the last podcast where people were already talking about, say, reducing the acreage or reducing the the amount of fertiliser they were going to apply. Right. Now, mm-hmm. that, I think it's really quite interesting that the world has adjusted and farmers should hopefully start to see some benefit in their fertiliser costs, particularly with the Australian dollar now back at 70 cents. So the Australian dollar has actually gone up over the course of 2022 and this morning went through 70 cents Right, and oil and gas prices have come off although and enough there's some very interesting things going on there which we can talk about a bit later but oil prices have come down and particularly russian oil prices because of the sanctions the embargo that's been put on russian oil so russian oil is now probably 30 to 40 percent below what the cost of oil say west texas intermediate or brent prices you know the international market prices are so Russia is now really starting I think to feel the impact of those of the sanctions on mm-hmm. some of their major exports but I think the issue for commodity prices and the way it's impacted consumer prices you know, through the course of the year yeah. and as we you know last time we spoke the Reserve Bank was saying was not going to be interest rate Rises for you know a couple of years and bang within a couple of weeks it happened it jacked them up yeah. Partly because their inflation forecasts were thrown out the window because of the commodity price issues and also the delayed impact of floods you know, in Australia on fresh fruit and vegetable prices. Right. And that's where now there's this real battle on in terms of where commodity prices are headed. The as I said, most of the agricultural commodity prices are now back to where they were, you know, including wheat, back to where they were. Prior to the Russian invasion, so energy prices are coming um, back so down.
1: you expect those commodity prices then to remain normal? Through
0: I it? think they're going to remain, particularly wheat is likely. That there seems to be, and again, this I think is an interesting issue for what's been going on. you got Russia has have a, a record wheat crop. Canada's had the third biggest wheat crop it's ever had. Australia could well have another record a, wheat crop. Yeah, so, production. Global production is pretty close to record levels. Global consumption is matching it, so mm. stocks
1: yeah. are pretty line ball with where they were 12 months ago. Are Russian wheat sort of coming into the market too?
0: Well, they're talking, and again, this is again part of the logistics issue because you know there's embargoes on Russian wheat being bought mm. you know, in the developed world, but Russia's selling plenty of wheat into countries like India, Africa. And you're seeing, in fact, they're talking, the US Department of Agriculture is projecting that Russia will have record wheat exports in 2022 when the numbers come in. Really quite amazing what's going on out there. Um, And so the commodity prices that are really staying high are in those new areas such as lithium. And the price of lithium is now about five to six times what it was back in 2021, 2020. Because so of that, the demand
1: for the batteries, so that's a reflection of modern technology looking for those sort of minerals.
0: Yes. Then we've got some other areas, and again, I'm not sure how many of the of your listeners would relate to this. But in the United States, the wholesale price of eggs has gone from about a dollar a dozen to now four dollars sixty a dozen
1: wow. wholesale. So their and- inflation has been worse than ours.
0: Yep, their inflation is worse than ours. And the big issue for interest rates there is how quickly inflation will come down right. in the United States. It looks as if it's probably going to be a bit lower than ours to the end of 2022. Um, probably will come down a bit faster. They have another issue. you know. Just as we had a real boot to inflation with the floods yeah. know, in New South Wales, and Victoria, and Queensland, early in 2022,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the Americans are facing a bit of the same thing with the floods you may well have seen spoken about in California. Right. Okay. Because California produces something, I saw a report, California produces something like 40% of US food. I think they're mainly talking about more of the fruit and vegetables and mm-hmm. is their major nut producer. Right. So they could well have a bit of an issue on the lettuces and fresh fruit and stuff like that, which will be flowing through into consumer price indexes in the United States you know, over the next couple of months. So they could well have the same flood-related issue for inflation as yeah. we had back in 2022. But anyway, the interesting thing about the United States, and you know, it really drives global interest rates, and we mm-hmm. spoke about this mm-hmm. a little while ago, is that in the United States, they have a cash rate now equivalent to the Reserve Bank's cash rate of four and a quarter to four and a half percent. So they said a range.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Their 10-year bond rate is three and a half percent. So they oh, have what's called an inverted yield curve. Yeah. So 10-year money is now cheaper for the federal government of the United States than is the cash rate. And I think there seems to be there's this real dichotomy in the United States now between the Federal Reserve, its forecasts of when inflation's coming down, and the markets, and the markets, I think are actually much more aggressive in terms of expecting inflation to come down more quickly than the Federal Reserve is. And therefore is pricing in really very little growth, further growth in official rates mm-hmm. and inflationary expectations remaining quite stable. And one of the things to look at in terms of inflationary expectations is the gap between the 10 year bond rate as set in the market, which is 3.5%, which is actually down over 0.3% since Christmas. So interest rates, long-term interest rates in the United States are falling. The cash rate is expected to go up, but markets' long-term expectations about inflation are still anchored pretty well around about to 2.2%, whereas yeah. their inflation rate is sort of well over 7
1: Right.
0: Again, They're being affected by what the economy coming out of COVID. So goods prices in the consumer price index and wholesale prices are almost static now for the last couple of months. It's their services prices, so restaurants, people going out to dinner, that type of stuff,
1: insurances. That's where the
0: inflation is. And so the Federal Reserve is sort of saying, we need to get services inflation down. Which is very heavily driven by wages, which are growing more quickly in the United States now than they are in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so there's this real battle going on, which we'll, you know, see play out over the next, I reckon, six months. So it could well be we're getting close to the top of US interest rate rises in the cash rate.
1: Right. And Does that means we're st- getting close to that as well, or we're well, a little bit delayed from that.
0: We're probably a little bit delayed because our bond rates here are still above the cash rate, which is 3.1% in Australia. But Mm. it could well be that in the US, the markets see interest rates coming down through the course of 2023 rather than continuing up. That could well be one of the reasons why the Australian dollar has actually moved up so much over the last couple of weeks, literally, Mm. because... It could well be there's expectations that US interest rates are starting to get near their peaks, but there's a bit further to go for Australian interest rates because of our inflation performance. And the Reserve Bank is forecasting inflation, consumer price inflation, to peak at around about 8% around in the December quarter, which has just passed, right? and then start coming down. So there's some really interesting issues going on out there, but it could well be We're getting close to the top of interest rates in the United States. We've got a little bit further to go here. But if you start to see interest rates coming off here, uh, coming off in the United States, then through the first half of 2023, could well be the Reserve Bank might well start to say, well, we'll wait rather than continue to push rates up.
1: So, Dara, if farmers are looking at perhaps refinancing or they've gone out to buy a neighbouring property, and they've got a decision to make about: oh, do we lock interest rates in, take a long-term view of it, or do we take short-term interest rates, which sounds like they're a little on the high side, and potentially will come down when our inflation gets under control and coming down. Would you be tempted to take a long
0: term? I don't see us getting back to those very low interest rates that we had early last year. That's okay. Probably
1: that's history. A now. stretch too
0: far, but. Yeah. Even in Australia, if we look at the three-year bond rate, the federal government bond rate, 12 months ago, that was 3%. Mm-hmm. It got to a peak of 3.5% mm-hmm. end of December, and now it's at 3.2%. So it's actually come off the last couple of weeks. Okay. So I reckon they need to talk to their banks to sort of see what type of spread margin they're paying over the wholesale cost of funds, the farmers, mm-hmm. And sort of saying whether if they could get at a decent rate as a spread over the bond rates or the bank's cost of funds, it might be worthwhile, I think, starting to lock in some of those fixed rates because we just don't know where interest rates are headed. And the world is moving into a period of, despite having come out of COVID, it's moving into a period, I think, of much bigger budget deficits than we've seen before. So...
1: There'll be a lot of competition for funds. There's
0: going to be, and that's why my view would be we're not likely to see a significant drop in these long term rates, Mm -hmm. but they're holding down, and -hmm. expectations are already built in about these budget deficits coming through. One of the areas of significant rises in the budget deficits is the increased defence spending. And that's happening right around the world, particularly in Europe. So we're seeing. For example, in Germany, where they would spend perhaps about one, one and a quarter percent of gross domestic product on defence, they're now talking to two and a half percent. Same things up in the United Kingdom, and we're going to see it in the United States. So I think that spending on the defence side of the economy is yeah. going to live quite strongly. At the same time, as we've got the other issues about aged care, health care, as we're seeing in Australia, they're global issues. I think for the funding of governments going to be spending money on. So, I think if farmers are looking for some long-term finance, have a good talk to their bank, because that would be to sort of work out what the best alternatives might be. But I don't believe we're going to be seeing a significant rise in interest rates. But I don't think we're going back to what we saw in two thousand and twenty,
1: two thousand and twenty-one. So, if we're doing soon. Budgeting for the next 12 months, then we might say, okay, commodity prices have come back to more normal levels. Interest rates have perhaps hit their peaks and look like coming back. So perhaps view long-term interest rates there a little bit. And perhaps input costs may also come back.
0: They're Probably coming back a bit, but again, it's quite likely given all these logistic changes that are going on around the world and the likelihood that the war in Russia sorry, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is probably going to drag on longer than expected, mm-hmm. is that some of these disruptions to the areas, you know, phosphates and ammonium, or urea,
1: mm-hmm.
0: may well continue on for a while. The prices have come back from those crisis levels they hit sort of through the first half of 2022. They're still above where they were two or three years ago. Okay. So the cost will be coming back, but I still think we've probably got a plan that they'll be a bit higher than what people probably were used to, as said, two or three years ago.
1: Yeah. Another area which will be interested to farmers and obviously their banks too is the value of farming land. Now, we've seen real estate values coming off in some of our major capital around Australia, uh, largely driven by the increased pressure on interest rates going up. Have you got a feeling whether the rate of increase we've had in land values in the rural areas will slow a little?
0: It'll probably slow, but I don't think we're going to be seeing the types of drops that are now coming through in some of those high priced areas of residential properties in Sydney, okay. Melbourne, Brisbane. I think a big issue for farmers will be this continue the labor supply. That's where it's interesting what's going to be happening with Prime Minister Mr. Albanese's visits to the Southwest Pacific right. and getting more of their people to be coming out here.
1: To assist with the labour
0: shortages. Yeah. And so I think the issue for farmers is how they're going to deal with the labour shortages, how they're going to improve their productivity at a time when commodity prices have dropped back a bit, mm-hmm. but the world's still going to need to feed itself. And said so it's quite likely that a lot of the grains and other foodstuffs that are going into the developed world won't be coming out of Russia sort of any time soon. Because I think those sanctions will remain in place as long as they're continuing on in Ukraine. Right. But I think also the Western world's going to be saying, well, we're not going to take those sanctions off as soon as the war ends Mm -hmm. because we're concerned about the message this gives to other people, to other organisations,
1: other countries. Who want to create conflict. Yeah. With that build-up of military spending now that's happening in the West... Does that mean we're unlikely to move into periods of depression from an economic perspective?
0: Yeah, there's a number of areas here which I think, again, I think are very interesting in terms of the economic outlook. Mm. There's going to be a significant ramp-up. It's not happening yet, but the Western world has really run down its supplies of a lot of military equipment by sending the older stuff to Ukraine. We're now seeing more tanks, more modern stuff being sent. but yeah. There's plenty of talk around that America and Europe are actually running short of missiles, so they're going to have to ramp that up. They're right. going to be increasing their production of a lot of the other weaponry, both to replace what's been said to Ukraine, but also to just have more available, so as a deterrent to Russia and to China. But some of the other areas where the change in logistics, the change to be less dependent upon Russia and China... I think they're going to keep growth going through the course of 23 and 24. They won't make up for some of the impact of high interest rates, say, on the residential housing sector in the United States. But you may well have heard the US government is trying to get computer chip manufacturing back into the United States.
1: Away from Asia.
0: And they passed a law called CHIPS back in August. Mm. Now, I had a look. There's Intel, HP... Taiwan semiconductor manufacturing and a few others have committed to spending get this u s dollars two hundred billion on fabrication plants for semiconductors in the United States over the next decade.
1: Wow, so that'll be a significant shift in the structure of that market that's
0: right, and at the same, we've also seen a response to gas you know the higher gas prices. This was going on a bit before, but it's accelerated. The United States is is now the world's biggest exporter of LNG. 2016, it didn't export any LNG. It's now the world's biggest exporter, bigger than Australia, and it's going to increase. There are plants planned, being built, be finished by about 2025, which will increase its capacity by another 50%.
1: So they are picking up the demand out of Europe that's been restricted because of the Ukraine conflict with Russia.
0: Yeah, and so Russia's actually not going to have a market for natural gas into Europe by the time all these U.S. plants come on board. And the U.S. is building these, and again, it sort of highlights the differences between Australia and the United States. Yeah. The U.S. can build one of these LNG plants. They talked about one that was built from the time the investment case was put to when the gas was being shipped was 30 months. Now, it would probably take 10 years to get a project off the ground like that. Wow. And they're doing it at a quarter or so the cost that Australia can do it.
1: Mm. So does that mean we all have implications to some of our exports?
0: I think the way the US is going, and remember, they're okay to do fracking. (laughs) We won't allow that in Australia. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to have an impact on future development of LNG gas exports. I think the other thing, too, it's going to affect longer run is because a lot of LNG is used in production of urea and ammonium. We could well be seeing those prices coming down further once all these plants
1: are put in place. Okay, so fertilizer costs could be coming down because of that increased supply.
0: Yeah, because they're still well above where they were, say, you know, a year, yeah. two years ago. A bit yeah. Lower than where they were middle of two thousand twenty-two, but again, if the Western world or the the Americans are sort of saying, "Well, we'll keep building these plants because we can see that uh, what will be coming out of Russia is probably going to be heavily sanctioned
1: yeah. uh, for but years to come," gives them confidence to invest and to develop. Yep. Well, Daryl, then the outlook. This year, there'll be some changes from last year. We've got to focus on commodity prices, perhaps coming back to normal. Input prices of fertilizer and chemicals may stay slightly high, but not as high as they were. And interest rates look like they're coming off. Inflation looks like it's being more controlled and coming off. So the uncertainty that we experienced through the Ukraine conflict and the early days of COVID look like they'll be behind us for a little while now.
0: Yeah, but you, know, you sort of think, given with the uncertainties we've been through the last two to three, four years, yeah, you just don't know what else no. might hit us. And that's where I think people are going to be, I think, well aware that these logistic issues we spoke about last time mm-hmm. still haven't really been sorted out. And so it could well be we're going to be holding higher stockpiles of things for a while yet than we would have, say, two or three years ago. Because,
1: because we can't ship
0: them. S- That's right, you can't ship them. You're not sure whether people could actually produce them. So Mm. I think we're going to see higher costs in that area. But again, some of that might be of benefit to Australia. There's concern in the United States about the costs and the uh, timeframes involved with their rail system, shipping grain out of the Midwest Mm -hmm. to the Pacific coast. That could well work to Australia's advantage because... We could well be a bit more competitive in the Asian market than we have in the past. And we're really not sure yet as to the impact of these floods on the demand, say, so for cattle and sheep. It's just going to be in Australia. Mm,
1: the restock so, that we need. That's right. Mm. Okay. Have you got any insights into wool? Because I know that's come off a little bit. Um, yeah, well, wool's just off. often... It's China-related.
0: Yeah, I think that's how we handle the China situation, because... Mm-hmm. They need our wool, just like they need our coal. Mm -hmm. There really isn't major alternative suppliers.
1: So you're not surprised to see China's turnaround of importing of some of Australian products now from what they were doing in the last two years? I'm probably
0: a bit surprised that it's starting to happen this quickly. Mm -hmm. But I think the Chinese are starting to work out that their populations probably, as they did with the COVID lockdown, Mm-hmm. their populations are starting to get a bit more angsty about what they're going without. Right. Um, and again, I'm not sure how much news it's made in Australia, but one of the chaps who was the leader of that sort of wolf warrior pack, you remember back in the middle of last year, having a real go at Australia, he's been sidelined. He's been sent off to some minor part of their foreign affairs department. So it could well be that China wants to be a bit more conciliatory. We've got to be careful, I think, as to how far we accommodate them, but it could well be in a number of areas. China will come back to the negotiating table, and that's where the yeah. wool price may well start to recover. We're probably going to see it in the fishing area. Right. Um, wine
1: wine might recover, mate.
0: You might well, I'm not sure, sure wine it's, wine I'm not it's sure it's going to be a real big turnaround in that area, but I think we're probably over the worst of it. But then again, we've sort of got to work out where we sit in terms of some of the areas... Such as you know what's happening in the south in the Pacific, in you know, the military issues and the South China Sea.
1: Right. Okay. And the final thing, then, Darren, U.S. exchange rates, this Aussie rates also has an impact on our commodity prices in Australian dollars terms. And you're talking about just seventy cents. Where do you see that happening over the next twelve months?
0: If commodity prices, if we don't have a severe recession in the United States, then I think commodity prices will continue to be sort of fairly firm because of this issue about not taking a lot of product out of Russia. But what seems to be affecting it currency much more at the moment is this dichotomy between what's happening to US interest rates and what's happening to Australian interest rates. And it could well be the Australian dollar remains fairly firm if we see a stronger uh, reduction in inflation in the United States. As I said, I think the markets are looking in the United States at a faster decline in inflation than the Federal Reserve is, I don't believe they're really looking at a significant recession in the United States, okay. which is often why the bond rates come off and you have a, an inverse yield curve. So I think the Australian dollar is probably going to remain fairly well bid, but it's unlikely we're going to see another surge in commodity prices, yeah. you know, subject to what happens in the Ukraine or mm. if we had a real barney with China, which... I think it's getting less likely because China's sort of seen how badly uh, Russian military equipment works. Uh, it could well be that the Australian dollar does remain in that sort of 70, 70-plus 70 level. Right. But some of the offset to that in terms of farmers will be that the energy costs, particularly diesel,
1: more and some more. of
0: the fertiliser prices may well be coming down, okay. are coming down.
1: Are coming down. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Daryl, for your insights into the next 12 months. I reckon we might tune in in six months time and see how the world has changed again. I guess the message is really for farmers out there who are doing their budgets and looking out for this year there's a plan on a conservative average because things do change, but the fears of high inflation and depression seem to have waned. Yeah, but
0: also i would come back to this point about the logistics and the productivity issues. it has got to be a real focus for farmers because the world's going to remain an uncertain place and you've probably got to be looking to how you can reduce your dependence upon some of these um, external suppliers and keep the pressure on federal and state governments to keep overseas workforces coming into Australia.
1: Yeah, to give us more labour supply. Daryl, thank you very much for your insights. It's been great chatting to you today. Thanks, Michael.